In the future, we will all live on the moon and breathe our own milk. Gareth Jones on speed, using science to confuse you. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed Season 4. As this is the start of a a new season, the start of a new year, we thought we'd dedicate this episode of the show to a vision of the future. We take a peek at what we think racing and driving could be like in the year 2250. News from 2250. The fastest speed achieved in London since 2011 was recorded yesterday when Lady Clive Sinclair, the genetic clone, drove a Ford Model X from King's Cross to the neighboring station St. Pancras in a record 58 minutes. I like the idea of the Ford Model X. If you visionise the future, okay, it's retro future. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Where would you go if you started with the, you know, the Model T? They did the Model A. You could go. They've never had the Model X, have they? It's a good name for Ford. Here's another good name for could Ford in the future, up. right? Right. The consort. Wouldn't you buy that? Is it an escort? Is it a console? Oh, it's a consort. Well, it sounds kind of racy. I like the sound I'll of the it. I'm, I'm going for a Ford console. Spelt with a K. Oh, console. Yeah, that's not a good. I want. Vision of car names in the future. This is what I'm fishing for here, guys. How long before we have the Aston Martin David? <laughs> <laughs> or the DR1? The DR1, yeah. They uh, <laughs> did, with big Sterling's long arms driving yeah. it. Yeah. The Mini? The B1. The B1? No, it was the... D- DR1. That was a DB1. DR1. DR1. DRB1. DBR1. We got there, boys. We'll check and we'll let you know. What's Dave Richards' middle name? David. 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 Okay, future car visions. Come on, guys. Give me some future car visions. Driving in London. You know when, at the moment, in fact, the United States is under attack in as much as their foreign policy is going a little bit wobbly to say the least mm-hmm. and they're losing a lot of people over in Iraq and um, what happens is the movie industry compensates by making lots of cheery optimistic films about how America's great I mean you look at something like Cars have you seen that Cars the, the animation I haven't movie. actually seen it no. it's, yeah. a, it's a fantastic example of exactly what happened during Vietnam during the Second World War with a lot of cowboy movies for example where they made the, all these films about you know the strong homeland and the, a nostalgia for an America past and how it could still be recaptured to give people at home some inspiration and I think that's one of the things about the US that they have this sort of romantic attachment to their own past and they're not embarrassed to, to, to summon it up so mm. here's the thing and this is already happening the car is under attack for being the killer of the planet which you know we all know is overly simplistic but in mm. the meantime we have the Ford Interceptor at the Detroit show and I think that's Detroit sort of going okay things are bad but come on people look at this we can still do something like this and so I think in the future as environmentalism kind of uh, seeps into the consciousness of car makers ever more and they feel so so guilty and embarrassed what they'll do is they'll overcompensate particularly in the US and you'll suddenly get like the, the Ford thrust bastard and stuff like that <laughs> and they'll try and just fill in the gaps to we're, make people feel good and just like sort of you know over here we've had you know the mini reborn new car we're mm-hmm. sort of going to get reimaginings of you know 1957 Cadillacs and yeah. Yeah. 
commercial yeah, cars yeah, yeah. and you know and all that kind of yeah, well, okay. we, we built the Ford Model A, uh, but it's exactly 11 times larger than the original model. It uses up over 15 gallons, that's imperial gallons of fuel, simply changing from first to second. That's how we like our cars. The Dodge Metal Hammer. That's, that's a car. The year 2250. The winner of the F1 World Championship in 2250 is Michael Schumacher III, driving a Volkswagen Hyundai Porsche Toyota Ferrari Williams. This was the ninth year the FIA have run a virtual championship, held in second life with little or no environmental impact. Michael Schumacher Jr. Jr.'s grandfather, Ralph, was there to support his grandson. And F1 Supremo Bernie Ecclestone's head in a jar was quick to find a way of profiting from this happy event by buying little Shumi's F1 carbon credits and then selling them back to him at a massive profit. So there you go. That's my vision of the future. What's F1 going to be like in the future? Will it? You know, will the eco guys kill it? I really hope not. I mean, I kind of feel like I've got sort of feet fairly firmly planted in both, you know, motorsport. Yeah, I think and, we all have actually. And eco camps, and yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. But uh, but you know, the sport will have to adapt. I think we're living on an eco frontier in London because we have to do this congestion charging zone thing. It's forcing people to consider what cars they're driving they otherwise wouldn't have chosen. It's actually happening, even to us guys. Admit it. Uh, yeah. A little bit, but one of the interesting things about it is that, is that the choices that people make uh, are turning out to be, you know, not necessarily those that are best for the environment. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the you know, the, the kind of electric buggy thing, for example, you know, basically, you know, electric vehicles being exempt from the congestion charge. Mm. They don't pollute central London, but they're churning out plenty of CO2 at the power stations yep, that are generating electricity to charge them up. And you know, Thank you, Google. There's a, there's a fairly complicated sort of issue there. But, uh, now, but your little sort of speculative intro there, the thing about you know, second life and virtual racing, there's a, there's a very interesting thing, a very interesting possibility there. You know, how much more are we going to be doing in virtual worlds in the future? We're doing an awful lot more with them you, you know it, it, it's a gag but there could be something in it well mm. yes but you know how you watch a formula one race and i think there's an intangible part of it that is like watching a james bond movie where you like the exotic locations you like the sense of something going on on the other side of the world that they is had exciting that and in glamorous they had that and there's also the monaco the grand prix on, on the sega mega drive you know what i'm saying uh, yeah but that's the thing it's in a computer so in fact all the f1 drivers take this virtual world to its zenith could be sitting in their apartments in probably in monaco yes. ironically <laughs> or wherever well. they live but you know fernando kind of alonso lives in oxford or something so he could be sitting in his house in Oxford racing on a Sunday on a bloody Xbox or something. <laughs> now, I don't really kind of want remote control. that. No, it's I don't want not that. somehow I don't think the spirit of F1, which is that it's the pinnacle of motorsport and it bestrides the globe. And obviously it's hugely profligate and it, it just wastes lots of time and money going around the world with big trucks. But Hell, put on a that's great what show. it's all it about. Puts on a spectacular show. Now, yeah. here's the and thing about F1, about the actual cars in the near near future. If they're going to imp- sort of get suckered in by this idea that hybrids are the, are the panacea to all our problems, which energy recovery, they're not. But you know that uh, in A1, they had that power button they could use. Yeah, that's the a boost power button. boost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the boost button. Now, 
Um, before MG Rover went under, they were working with um, uh, some boffins, uh, whose names I can't remember, in the UK on an MGTF hybrid, which had uh, an electric motor at the front and then the usual mid-engine petrol motor of the MGTF. And one of the interesting little tricks they came up there was because they were trying to work out how a hybrid could be an effective sports car was a power button, and it drew on the battery reserves to mm-hmm. punt a load of power into the electric mm-hmm. motor, which was then recharged as you drove along normally on the petrol motor, to give you like a little shot button for overtaking. There's something they could bring into F1. If they're going to insist mm-hmm. on F1 cars being hybrid, which, you know, who knows, maybe they will, then they could do that. Because I love that power shot button thing from A1. I it think works. It's a great idea. Yeah, it works. It's in other motorsport series as well. Um, Champ Car have it, uh, Formula Palmer Audi have it, but it uh, certainly mixes up the pack. It yeah. works. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, arguably, it doesn't do quite as much for overtaking as you would hope because because everyone's got the same button. So, you know, when mm. one guy presses it, the other guy can well, press yeah, it. Well, yeah, it's when you use it. Yeah, it is when you use it. It's the entertainment so it does, button. It does help. Mm. And, yeah. It's the motortainment button. Mm. And rocket launchers as well. Now, a button for those would be. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you think outside of the conventional box. <laughs> The Car of the Year Award 2250 goes to Mercury. No real surprise there. Since the Thames water level rose 15 meters in 2229, creating the Isle of Primrose, Mercury outboard motors are renowned for their reliability. Lamborghinis you know- too as well. Lamborghini and Lamborghini Ferrari have got a couple of boats engines, haven't they? In terms of kind of where things, you know, I'm going to be really interested to see what um, Gordon Murray comes up with with his little car. P25. You know, he's just such a smart guy, and I think he's just you know he's the kind of person that's going to make you know really shrewd decisions about what technologies are best to incorporate in a small eco city car. Hmm. He's been very. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that car will point the way. He's been very bold about this car. He's made some amazing claims. For it, and yet he's not really giving away the final secret, which I think I've worked out, but it's process of elimination, what it has to be, how he's going to do it. Cold fusion. He's, he's In his fantastic brain, he's worked out how to do cold fusion, and this car will practically run itself and actually build its own environment. I mean... It's the only way it's going to be able to do what he says it's going to do. It hasn't got some, it's not some sort of super string drive or something. <laughs> <That's Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Top quark oh model. No, that's a yeah. Yeah. soup dragon in a tank or something. <laughs> <laughs> Bookings are now being taken on eBay for a slot in the outside lane of the M25 for June 2283. Bidding starts at 500,000 euros for motorcycles cars will be charged more remember this is dated 2250 how bad's it going to get out there do you guys use the m25 no, not as much never. as i used to i never, used to have never. a regular commute on it and, so uh, that's a pretty accurate prediction then, late right? at night it was fine but um we'll be yeah, booking I'm slots on the motorway soon you know guys well i, well, I, I don't well, you see i think i'm contributing to trying to keep the m25 moving by um not using it Ever, I, like I just won't. Yeah, I won't yeah. go to Kent yeah. and places like that. I just won't go there. Yeah. I can't. I, c- I just can't. Probably, probably a good idea. You anyway. just know you'll be sort of stuck in a yeah. non-moving sort of. I'm oh, sorry. Park, I mean, you know, quite Garden of England. Time, bugger that! I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll just sit on the patio. I don't want to go there. I so, just, just, when you know, were when you were at when Brands Hatch a couple of years ago, you actually flew to Paris, didn't you? And you no, got the under train no, to. I Folkestone. took a dreadfully torturous <laughs> route, sort of through central London, and, and it was actually rubbish. But I just don't. The M25 is one of those things you just always imagine it's going to be worse than it actually is 
things. And yeah. well, actually, some, moment, sometimes it is. Sometimes worse it's worse than you, than you think. But it is. you know what's going to happen when you do get that slot slot on the M25? Your computer-controlled uh, distance monitor is going to make sure that you keep, you know, absolutely the same distance from the car. You might as well not turn uh, up. You know, no, there's not yeah. really much driving. Yeah, until some geeks, be part d- of a geeks hack it so you can install it in your BMW, so you can still sit on my arm. A man was arrested in Clapham yesterday for fondly remembering driving a Land Rover within the 200-mile congestion charging zone. However, a farmer in Lowestoft bought Ferrari's latest road car, the Massa Stradale. The price of 25 billion euros, keeping the ancient Italian car manufacturer afloat for the next three years. Ferrari have now sold over three cars in the last seven years. That's okay because they've sold loads of branded key rings and jeans and stuff like that to keep them going. They make more money off that than they do off anything else. It's a branded world, baby. It's all about brands. I went to the Ferrari store. I was on holiday in Italy this summer. I went to the Ferrari shop in Rome. Oh, no, I went to to the one in Medina. Where did you go? Medina. Oh, yeah, (laughs) even worse. Isn't it awful? <laughs> well, it's just awful. I mean, it's just yes awful. and no. I, mean, I know, you know there's a part of it. You there think, were teddy yes, bears and stuff like that, yeah, which is no, also got on. But you know, but there were some really nice sort of. Oh, there's cars some lovely the stuff at the side. So that was okay. Oh, you see, that's the thing. The one and I did get a nice poster. I got a really good poster. Yeah, so I'm yeah, yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah. What? Some beautiful prints of cars and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, the absolute zenith of the terribleness uh, in the one in Rome, and I've checked this on their websites. It's a freely available thing for 100 euros, so what, 60, 70 quid. You can buy a fake Ferrari key. Just to kind of sort of put on the coming to a dreadful wine bar near you. It's just appalling. 100 euros as well. God, have they got no dignity at all? If you're enough of a sucker to want to pay 100 euros, it's almost like a psychosymmetric test. When you buy one, a buzzer goes off and and they arrest you for being mentally ill in the brain. Because it's just, you're an idiot if you buy that. It's second appalling. Traffic news from the future. Nightmare scenes here in Knightsbridge where anti-environmentalists driving cars, some with engine capacities over 800cc, have created a moving traffic jam thing. To protest the banning of cars over 350cc from inner London. It's a breakthrough. At least the traffic's moving. <laughs> Guys, that you know, a nightmare vision, but that's kind of what's happening, isn't it? The big guy's been forced out on price. Well, yeah, but yeah, I don't, they want us point. to drive little lightweight cars. It's it, the pressure. They on. do, but there's. Some, I mean, an interesting thing happens here, whereby you you make expensive stuff that you don't want people to do, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fairly effective way of kind of modifying uh, human behaviour. Mm. But um, you get rich. There are always going to be plenty of rich people exactly. who are prepared to pay the money you get to rich do that traffic thing, jams. and then you create uh, resentment because mm-hmm. people that don't have the money to indulge themselves in, yeah. you know, the number of parking tickets and fines and this and congestion yeah, yeah, charging that you get feel that it's unfair. It. And, and in, you know, if you and can afford unfair. a Range Rover supercharged Mm. You could afford 25 quid a day. God mm. knows it's probably a company car and your company are paying you back for the congestion charge because you have to get to your office from your big house in Surrey. So it doesn't matter too farts to you. It's just another slight inconvenience. You have to get your PA to, to do the, the congestion charge every day. It yeah, doesn't I matter. Mean, and the thing is that what it's doing in the meantime is royally buggering businesses and, and people who actually need to get into the city centre. 
And I'm not being all yeah, kind I mean, of like I, no, I mean, I mean, about I mean, this. So, you know, it's just that, that, that if you have got a Range Rover, you can probably afford it. So it's not yeah. a deterrent in any way. It's an inept, stupid thing that's been done actually by a man who's basically a communist in London and, and um, I'm kind of really uh, I've, I've um, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in many minds about this because because uh, I've spent insane amounts of money on congestion charge fines mostly and, yes. yeah, which is mostly my, fi- my fault for kind of letting them get that far but you know but it happens we won't go into that yeah. um, but I think that basically the congestion charge is it, it's basically a really good idea because you have to manage traffic in places like central London in some way and slapping a charge on people to drive in and out is just you know it's just a really sensible way of discouraging at least some of the people who otherwise are going to do it from doing it yeah. um, you know it, 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 it's really not a bad system at all it's not the only thing you can do uh, and, and it's not the only thing you should do to you know manage traffic in a city like London mm. and having a really good public transport system is the first thing you should do. Which, I mean, London's about as good as it gets, in this country at least. Um, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It in moves. terms of its reach and its it flexibility does, yeah. and, and everything. Although, there, although, there, although there's still plenty wrong with it. But um, um, It does just about work at the moment, London, better than it did, would you say? Yeah, I mean... I still drive in London from time to time, and I, I, I can do it. There was a period where I just wouldn't even conceive of doing it. The, the congestion charge did make it less crowded uh, mm. in, in the centre of town a lot of the time, I'd say. Gareth Jones on speed. The year 2250. Well, how about this? Another vision, vision for the future. The, you know, one trend that's happening is you know, cars getting smaller and cheaper. There's this, there's this thing about the... Mm. Is it the $1,600... Uh, price point that uh, some car makers are trying to hit. Yeah, for there's a lot of different things. In the, uh, yeah, yeah well, the, the one lakh uh, car, which yeah, uh, yeah, Tatra, one lakh car. Uh, yeah, in to, India, uh, uh, yeah. which is fascinating. They've, they've now said it's like one point something lakh, but it's 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 still it's, it's an still incredible piece of cheap. So I they, know. they're trying I'm, to make I'm, a new car now, that cheap, and it's going to be a you know it's going to be a small car. It's yeah. so forcing they're gonna, radical they're gonna, thinking about yes, ultra light. Genuinely, you've seen this thing at the Frankfurt show, the Volkswagen Up, except it's got an exclamation mark after it, so it's actually the Volkswagen Up. Up! Up! So they remember that, that band a few years ago, Therapy, that had a question mark. Therapy! Therapy! Yeah. therapy. Uh, and so this is the Volkswagen Up, and uh, there's uh, Toyota supposing. Like I know exactly. Up! Oh, it's rude! <laughs> so gross! Sounds like a breakfast DJ. And uh, and then there's Toyota doing something sort of sub Yarisy, sub Igoey type car. Yeah. And apparently uh, Renault are going to try and even up the ante from that Logan. The Logan, yeah. Which yeah, uh, yeah. Is, an, is an interesting piece yeah. of engineering. I mean, fundamentally, bog standard front wheel drive sort of. But it's the detailing that makes it interesting, the way that they've sucked the cost out of it, which I guess doesn't matter too much like, to normal people. I like the way that they're thinking, uh, Renault, in terms of uh, keeping car costs cheap in manufacturing cars like their Logan, the Dacia Logan. Mm. They're doing things like uh, symmetry, creating perfectly symmetrical parts wherever possible so yes. there's no difference between the left hand side and the right yeah. hand side technically mm. you, you know they can be pressed by the same well, and that brings the uh, cost down that's great have thing. they okay, stripped down really want to get the SD1 though for the symmetrical dashboard which let's face it was years ahead of it true yeah, yeah. yeah if you really want to bring the costs of uh, the car down though why not go open source why not you know take an idea from the software industry open source cars now this is I, 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 I just I don't know, this, this thought kind of crossed my head the other day, and I just did a kind of quick source to see what might be, you know, if there's anything kind of happening in this right now. And for anyone that doesn't know, uh, in, in the software world, open source is, is a way of developing things that involves 
um, people collaborating just, you know, sharing voluntarily, code. sharing code, sharing ideas and building something collaboratively which no one person has the rights to, no one person owns, and which they share freely. You know, you're allowed to modify this stuff and do it as long as you kind of contribute. And so the idea of an open source car product is essentially that you know, anybody that can design bits of the car would be, you know, contributing their bits of design and somebody's... And some pe- somebody or, or some people are, are, are bringing this together, and you sort of end up with uh, you get a mo- sort of you, you sort of you sort of end up by sort of refining this this collaboratively you designed know, thing it, it, that I- anybody that anybody has the rights to build. I think probably there are all kinds of reasons why this open source idea translates really quite badly to an exercise like building cars mm. um, but I think there is still probably I, I think there is probably I think there is some mileage in it though particularly in the area of um, uh, of maybe developing of, of maybe pursuing some more imaginative uh, ideas in car design that might take us uh, mm. you know into a more kind of uh, sustainable future there may be some avenues that car manufacturers aren't so interested in pursuing, which you know groups of uh, you know odd smart smart oddballs scattered around the skunkworks might smart. be well, able to you know collaborate on and come up with some useful ideas. On. I think your open source idea for making a complete car is interesting. But it would have to be like a kit car. Oh, it's a huge... Kits. Yeah, it would. Or, All or, the liabilities or, and the homologation and stuff like that. The, it's very, very difficult. It costs yeah. car makers a lot right. to do. But in, in the software field, in the engine management particularly, I think it could happen. But it would never really happen with the blessing of a big manufacturer. Because, again, they've got the liabilities. And the emissions are yeah. part of the homologation of the car. Now, you know, they can't endorse some bloke in a bedroom who's written a brilliant bit of code because they'd have to go and put it through the test procedure. But it can happen through the back door, and it already kind of does with people who have their engines chipped. And you know you said smart, mm-hmm. not in that sense, but the, the smart car is one of the uh, interesting examples of a car that's got a kind of real big kind of cult, slightly geeky following. Mm. And these people seem to have set about around the world sorting out some of the problems. So you can download and, and have installed bits of software now that make the gear change faster, make the engine uh-huh. run a bit quicker. Patches. Stuff like that. Patches. And I think the Smart is a weird sort of example of where that's a very localised thing. Because there's only one car so, you know... But it is kind of an example sort of, of where that idea is made. Time, you know, I mean, it's started in the 80s when people had to see RS, RS Cosworth. So, you know, there were loads of chips for that which people were always having done because you could always get to the ECU. It was in the glove box. Uh, Ford did a concept car, Ford again, the other year, called the something. It looked like a futuristic Capri. It was actually pretty lazy. Oh, yeah, I remember it. it. Yeah, I remember it. It went away again. It really offered no solutions to anything. But one of the little hooks they tried to get people interested in that car with was that they said, this is uh, a car which, in theory, you can download new engine management things for your car. Now, that's where they might go. A big company could never allow that open source sort of, hey, here's the code, come and have a that's go a if you think you're wheeling. hard enough. Yeah, but yeah. they could, within themselves, go, we've just released, like mobile phone companies do, or like, you know, or I suppose Apple do, a bit of code that goes, hey, if you want higher rev response, we've just developed the new fast road cam software. And, and that could be the way to do it. And in fact, it goes further than the engine, I believe, because, I mean, increasingly, a lot of, you know, aspects of suspension yep. and handling yep. are, are, yep. are controlled by software Even as well. Even Sam did a really thing can. where you, you pressed a button for the sport button. Not only did it change the suspension and engine settings, it dropped the driver's seat as well. It was electric and it dropped lower to make it feel sportier. Bada-ding. A software, a software upgrade software. that gives me a soft top. That's, yes. that's what I want. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, I think we've reached a 
conclusion to our vision of the future. We have seen the future and it's written in code. Say bye, guys. Bye. Hmm, the future sure looks bright for the world of cars and motorsport. Or does it? You see, that's not quite it for this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. We thought we'd finish with some atmospheric music from Pink Floyd. Now, of course, we couldn't persuade an enormous band like Pink Floyd to record a song about cars, especially for Gareth Jones on Speed. Of course we couldn't. So instead, we did it ourselves. We've created this little piece which is um, in the style of Pink Floyd, remixed by the awe. And it's a vision of the future for drivers. Hope you enjoy it. This is the Punk Floyd. We live in a land of riches, run by a culture that is old. All is fine, as long as there's no hitches to the finite supply of man's black gold. One day the truth will end, try to understand what all of us is about.
Gareth Jones on Speed was made by Whizbang. You can contact the show on speed at garethjones.tv. You can visit the website www.garethjones.tv and read the lyrics and find out more about the show or subscribe free at iTunes. (laughs) 